Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Who else gets that? I mean, New England. Okay, there's, there's three teams. Yeah. Yep. There Damn. are more fan bases upset with you than just three. I know there is. Maybe 23. Oh, maybe. You're right. Maybe 23, <laughs> maybe 29, maybe 31. I don't know. It depends on the day. I will talk crap about your team No, if they play crappy. I don't care. I don't play That's favorites. Fair. That's right. That's fair. Yeah. I'm going to be fair about it. Um, I mean, you know, I talk crap about my family members when they do things I don't like. <laughs> we, we were just doing that. <laughs> we were. That was the lead up to the show. <laughs> exactly yeah. right. So, all right, we got a good one. Chris Sims, Polly Burmeister in the building, man, looking fresh again, like the white kicks. What do you do when yeah. it's fall? Like, it's not winter yet, still right. fall? For socks when you're wearing tennis shoes, do you wear like longer athletic socks or you I go do, footy? Do, I do, as I get, I go longer. I got some Nike, black okay. Nike socks on. What's your tattoo of? And uh, oh, that's my Longhorn there. Okay, yeah, good, good. A little Longhorn there, but yeah. I go long socks. And Paul, yeah, I will put on like in another month or so. Yeah, I'm not above. I will put long johns on every morning. Like underneath this, even it, when it starts to get like, don't it, you get like hot and sweaty? I don't know what it is, but in the morning I'm cold and I just want to put it on. So I'll start putting long johns and put the socks over the long johns, yeah. and yeah, it at times can lead to a little bit hot. But footies, long johns, uh, talking shit about your family, doing it all today, baby. You. Yeah, we're like two minutes in. Well, Dad's not on the podcast today, so fuck him. Let's talk <laughs> shit about him. <laughs> but uh, we got a good one today. We do. What the fuck happened? Yep. We got a lot of t- games to break down. And uh, I'll let you take it from here, wherever you want to go. First of all, before we get into the X's and O's of it, how did you like just the dynamic of inside your house in the evening, Tuesday night football? Loved it. Right? It was great. Loved it. Hate the reason. Yeah. I don't want to be too excited about it because obviously it's only happening uh, for negative reasons. But the earlier kick. Yes. And having it on while you're still having a little bit of the Sunday, Monday hangover, no football. Right. It's there to relieve you when it's not, like, too dark out. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. I know, right. You're kind of, like, making dinner, eating dinner. Yeah. You're sitting there watching the game. I agree. I One of the things I said on the show this morning with Florio is I went, I want games every night of the week. I really do. Well, this is proving that we can do it. Wouldn't be too much? It, I mean, I don't think it would be. Now, maybe some – I mean, I don't know if it's going to get, like, ratings extravaganza on a Wednesday night, but yeah. still going to be – more people than whatever that station's going to watch on a normal Wednesday night, that's for sure. It's, of course, a better ratings number. So right. if you could only pick one, if they came to you before the next broadcast contract yeah. and said, would you rather have Tuesday or Thursday night, what would you pick? Ooh, that's a good one. Mm. Just based off last night, I think I, I think would I'd go, go Tuesday. Tuesday. I think I would, too. Yeah. It felt I, nice coming off the weekend. It, did, it does. I'd like to, I really, it's great. I don't, you probably feel the same way, just to be able to sit and watch one game. 
Right. You know, because Sunday is a yeah, it's, it's a it's a mosh pit and your brain. I'm stressed the whole day because I'm like, wait, did I see everything that happened in that game? No, did I, no, I didn't. You know, None of us did. will I be able to talk intelligently about it the Maybe. next morning? Right. So I'm stressed <laughs> the whole night. Right. Because yeah. I'm like, I, I know I don't know some of the things that went on in that game. All I know is looking at the corner of my eyes. So I love being able to sit there and do that. Uh, I know we can't do Friday and Saturday football because right. of like the high school, high school college, college thing. Yeah. That's cool. We don't need it those nights. But, man, one game, all those other nights, I'm, I'm, I'm up for that. And it helped that the one game on Tuesday matched unbeaten teams. Only undefeated teams. It was great, yeah. <laughs> yeah. From now on, no Tuesday game unless they're unbeaten teams. So let's start right there. Yeah. And it is, it's a Wednesday, what the fuck happens. Right. So we're kind of dealing with major questions. Let's start with one from Social, talking about Titans beating the Bills 42-16. to 16. This one deals with Ryan Tannehill. Wout, just Wout. It's a good name. Wild Van Ert, one of the best riders in the Peloton, by the way. But Wild says, is Tannehill a top five quarterback? He's not a top five quarterback, but he is definitely a top ten quarterback. Knocking on you the know? door. He is. I mean, he was knocking on the door in my, my quarterback rankings last year. What did I end up having him at, Pete? 11, you ultimately? Him, or um, I think I had him 11. Yes. Oh, and there's Pete. He's on our right now. There we go. Pete, Pete's there for the yeah. first time. He's yes. a gamer. He showed up when we needed him. If I'm remembering correctly, you had him ahead of Brady and Breeze, and a lot of people were on you about that. Of course they were. Yes. I mean, you're not allowed to ever drop Brady and Breeze, <laughs> even when they're 94 years old. I'm going to still have to put him in the quarterback ranking. But, yeah, I mean, you see, first off, you know, again, it's another great example of when you put a guy on a team where the team fits yes. and can support him and all those, you see the talent finally rise to the top, right? You know, the example I use is another guy that came from Miami. Oh, Minka Fitzpatrick. He's a bust down in Miami. Gets to Pittsburgh. All of a sudden we go, defensive player of the year, right? So scheme, support around you, other than, like, a few freaks of nature, like, you know, Mahomes and Rodgers, are really, really important to show what a player has, right? right? And I think, yes, the way they play on the offensive side of the ball, he's being protected, he's got a few weapons, and he just doesn't miss, you know? He he clearly did miss. And I'll add one more thing to the fit. For those who were really paying attention, if you weren't a diehard Dolphins fan who was upset with that they weren't making the playoffs, if you were really watching, he was pretty good. It wasn't his fault they weren't making it. Wasn't Pro Bowl, but he was... He was good more often than he was bad. Definitely. So he, he was kind of ready to get recognized for the next step with a better team and a better fit anyway. That is exactly right. It's why before the season started last year, I said, Brian Tannehill will be the starter and take over the job right. for Mariota. Yeah. He will because it, you're, it was lost in the shuffle. Again, we became the we're going to blame the quarterback for the whole organization failures. And that's what happened to him in Miami. The perception kind of ran stale, right? He had a few a player and his wife rag on him all the time. Yeah which is annoying to me because then the player and the wife went to another team where that quarterback threw interceptions every other play, and right. they never ragged on him, which I, I still will never forgive them, and I'm not even going to bring them up. But either way, um, Tannehill has it all. He really does. What he, part of his really good you think showed up last night against Buffalo? I, I think just the absolute, like, just dead-on bullseye accuracy where no matter if it's six yards down the field or 40 yards down the field, right. it's just always right on tar- target. First touchdown pass, double move, boom, in the pocket. Right? That I was mean, his first pass of the night. Of the whole night. Perfect. And it was, perfect. It was probably his most difficult pass of the night, yeah. and it was his most perfect. Yes. I mean, but he never leaves yards on the field. That's my biggest thing about him. He maximizes opportunities to the maximum almost every week, and that's where he's really impressive. And then, you know, last night with that game, 
you know, the stats and numbers aren't going to look like they're amazing, but as you break down the game and everything like that, first off, they were very fortunate, right, to get the short field a few times. Right. So that set themselves up for some scoring and all that. But they were going to have to throw the ball to score some touchdowns and do that because B- Buffalo was selling out to stop the run. They weren't going to let Derrick Henry and company just maul them that way. And mm-hmm. so some of these looks they got in the pass game – we're just too good for them to pass up. Where you know they want to stay patient with the run, right. but I think when they got into the second, third quarter, they started to realize like, hey, there's too many guys up there, and we got for mismatches. Sure. Let's start attacking. And I think to that point, credit to Tennessee, whoever was calling plays right. there for, for staying with Henry, because as you pointed out, it wasn't going really well. 19 carries, 57 yards is not a Derrick Henry kind of night. Nope. But they gave him more than eight or nine carries. Like, they stayed with it to keep the offense on schedule, even when it wasn't really working that well. Exactly right. I'm a big fan of that. I mean, I I really am. Uh, You know, attempts is a big number for me for offensive success. Opens up the play action. You know, gives your offensive line a chance, again, to just fire off the ball a little bit. He is your best player, so you still want to give him the touches. We've seen him go 18 carries for 30 yards, and all of a sudden he breaks 270 right. yarders, and you go, oh, he had an unbelievable day. So, And the biggest thing is, Mike Frabel, it's the attitude of the football team yeah. is based around that. So they're not going to give up on that. And that's where I give them credit. Yeah, 19 for 57, that's a shitty day. Yeah. Shitty. But – it's the benefits of what it had for everybody else. Like they you're didn't saying, get away from it. They didn't get away from it, no. And at the very mo- other thing it does, keeps Josh Allen and all those talented guys off the field too. Right. How much do you think it matters for Tannehill to take that next step in between okay and now he's somewhere between good yeah. and, and awesome. He's kind of in that category. That the defense is terrific right. and that the offense begins with a runner. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's, it's a – he's not looked at – as having to ever really save the day or have to, like, be the guy on a given game where you're just like, well, you know, we're in one of those, like, hey, Tannehill, you got to throw for 350 and three touchdowns or we can't win. It's never really like that. Right. They kind of always go the way you're talking about. Want to run the ball. They got some exotic things they do on defense. And then, you know, if their opportunities present themselves, they take their shots. And they're aggressive. They're a big play football team. They really are. I mean, think about last night. It wasn't a lot of, like, necessarily consistency. They're leading football in turnover margin and explosive plays. Mm-hmm. Those are two of the biggest stats that, you know, determine games. Interceptions, big returns, big passes down the field, big punt return that mm-hmm. sets up short field. You know, you talk about the first pass for the touchdown, 20-yard-something pass. So they're not looking to dink and dunk and do anything that way. It's run, take shots, and they're aggressive on both sides of the ball. Very complimentary football. I don't know if I've seen a quarterback throw for 195 yards, which is very basic in the NFL, yeah. and have it look so impressive right. when you don't think about the actual stats. It's fooling. It's fooling because it was so efficient. And you just saw the touchdowns, and it's like if you walked away from the game watching it on TV, you just go, oh, they, they moved the ball up and down the field all night. What you don't really realize is Bill's defense played a little bit better than I wanted to give them credit for when I turned off the TV last night. And then when I watched the film today, I go, there were some things that I really liked about what they did. Would you like they, were, they were put in some tough spots. You know, they really were the by their offense yeah. and the punt return and all of those type of things. But what I did like best is they were not – running game has been a little bit of an issue for them. They were not gashed in the running game. Now, did it compromise them in the pass game? Definitely. And am I still worried about that with Buffalo? Yes. I mean, Buffalo um, is kind of corner, you know, dysfunction. They don't – Tredavious White. Especially without White. Right. And he's not there. Everybody it's, – it's a pretty average group to where I worry about them. So we always talk about when a team does something elite, 
It forces the team's other team's hand to do something. And it forced Buffalo to have to put Josh Norman and Teron Johnson and those guys on islands right. against A.J. Brown, and they're just not going to win that matchup. Yeah, how much, that how much did it matter to have A.J. Brown in that lineup? It was huge because, especially with no Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys who were on the COVID list, I, there could have been troubles if they don't have A.G. Brown last night. That might have been, ooh, swings the pendulum. Because now there's like, oh, wait, who is the guy that's going to get open for Tennessee? Khalif Raymond is very good, a speed guy. I don't think he's even totally 100% healthy. So they needed that one go-to guy in the pass game. And as you saw, a lot of those play-action passes, he came up. He came looking for number 11, A.J. Brown. And more times than not, he delivered or got a pass interference call on him because they couldn't cover him. And, you know, I think – they, they approach the game the right way on the offensive side of the ball. When I was watching Tannehill, and I watched it again this morning, the, the, the two things that really stand out to me yeah. are how balanced he is in the pocket. He's never in a position where he looks like, oh, he, he couldn't make a throw right now if the defensive line forced him to. Right, right. And how just his motion is so compact that almost, I used to wonder, could he really drive it if I he know. had to because it's just a little flip? Right. But the quiet lower body and the no-wasted motion up top really leads to that accuracy. It does. And I can't, I can't really remember a poor decision. I'm sure there were, there were a couple bouts of inaccuracy, but he was consistently on balance, making good decisions, and putting the ball where he had to. And it allows them, on like a third and long, they can throw it four yards and yeah. give the guy a chance to run because he gets hit right here. Right, like the Khalif Raymond third and 19 you're yes. talking about, yeah. right? They go in the little slot inside slant, and he beats the guy off the line of scrimmage. And, yeah, Tannehill throws the ball at the perfect time, the perfect spot, to where Khalif Raymond doesn't break stride, and he gets another 16 gets yards the after the down. catch to get yes. the first down. And you're right. That's accuracy and things that get lost in context of plays sometimes. And it does add. Again, he maximized the play. Yep. It goes back to that. That play, we could see that, and I could go to other quarterbacks in football last week and might have had the same throw, throw it behind or whatever else, and it doesn't let the quarterback run. Hey, Monday night, last play of the game, Justin Herbert, overtime, throws a slant to Mike Williams. He throws yeah. it in front, exactly yeah, right. They're going to exactly. get the first down. He throws yeah. it behind, gets tackled short of the first down. That's what, you his, know. His last two his throws. His last two throws were, were his worst two throws exactly, of the night. And yeah. we'll get into that and, in a minute. We will get to that. But, but that, that is maximizing throws. And it's more about, yeah, it's, it's not always about the deep balls. It's the short ones, too, and letting your guys run. Uh, but Titans, I, I just can't say enough about them. The fact that they played that clean of football and executed like that without playing football in 16 days yeah. and very few practices, like, way to go, Mike Vrabel. That's mm-hmm. pretty fucking insane that they pulled that off. I mean, if you just knew, didn't know anything and watched the game last night, you would go, well, Buffalo hasn't played in two weeks, right? Right. What? No, Tennessee? I mean, because uh, they, they were on their game. So that leads us pretty well into the other side uh, with Josh Allen yeah. going up against the Titans defense. and. I always want to maintain the perspective that one game does not make you, doesn't take you to a level above or a level below. Right. Josh Allen is still having an awesome season, but yeah. he was much lesser than last night. I saw this morning on PFT that you gave him a C plus grade. Right. I, I had him more in the B range. Yeah. Okay. I gave him a C plus because I thought there was, you know, um, I, I probably could have gone B minus too or B in that range. You're right after watching that film back, too. The game's not as bad as you think other than that second interception. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first interception's not his fault. Yeah, you'd like the ball perfect in it, front of the numbers. Yeah, I mean, it, it was inaccuracy yeah. there. We talk so much about Tannehill's accuracy. Right. 
Uh, he, you know, it was a short throw. Yeah. If he puts it on him instead of behind him, receiver should have caught it. Yeah. But, but I mean, his inaccuracy led to that. It pass. definitely led to it. There's no doubt. You know. And again, you, you, the other thing, you know, no John Brown. It's Andre Roberts who's playing that position. Is that John Brown that gets that ball? Probably. But it was that, that kind of just signified the whole night to come for Buffalo. Like, ooh, that kind of looks good, but it's just a little off. We're off tonight. Mm-hmm. Like, in all aspects, special teams, defense, offense, we can hit it all. But, yeah, that started things off in the wrong way. And, yeah, it was a third down. And I want to say it was a third and long, maybe 10, whatever else. We're talking else. about his first pick? His first interception. Okay, he throws I, that. I want to get to both. So yeah. That's, that's, the first one was the right in there. cut, right, with the, the in cut that you described. It was about a 15-yard, 16-yard throw. I think it was a little short. It was a little low and behind, yes. yes. And the guy gets two hands on it, pops it up. Tennessee takes advantage, touchdown on the double move, like you said. It was a very interesting defensive scheme that uh, I, I want you to describe what they were doing. I mean, the inaccuracy led to the pick, but what they did to him leading up to that I thought was really, really good. Definitely. And it was third and four. I'm sorry. I thought it was longer than that. So he threw about a 14 or 15-yard pass on a yeah. third and four. Um, the Titans' defensive game plan was awesome. It really was. I, I can't say enough about it. They played coverage the whole night. They ran exotic zone coverages. Mm-hmm. Mike Vrabel obviously had a little beat on the offense. You know, again, this is a New England offense. Mike Vrabel's done pretty damn good against New England so far. He's 2-0 and since he's been the coach of the Tennessee Titans mm-hmm. and stymied their offense both times. He did. You know, and then last year, he stymied Buffalo's offense a little last year when Buffalo went down there and won a, won a close game. And then here again um, – but, yes, I think the fact that he realized, and this is not the way the Titans have been playing the first few weeks of the year. They've been playing a little bit more of in-your-face, man-to-man, we're going to cover you and make you earn it. But I think he realized, whoa, we're not going to match up with this group. Right. We can't cover this group all over the field and what they're doing, and not with this big sucker 17 back there. Because yeah. even if we do cover him, he buys time, and then people pop open and all that stuff too. So very impressive from that standpoint with – Dropping people in the coverage and the illusion of blitzing. Yes. Right? That's the word. The illusion. illusion. Yeah. Where, Which leads to that confusion that you've always talked about that you want that quarterback to have for half a second. Half a second. One thing we're going to get in today is teams over blitzing. It's going to be a theme throughout all my notes where I'm going to show you teams that blitz and they get gashed. And then teams that play coverage right now are proving to be the better defenses. They are. And you can go to the plays or whatever it is. And on this play, on yeah. that first pick, I, right. I think it's a perfect example because third and four, like yeah. we talked about, so it's a, it's an open book for a defense to have any kind of blitz on a third down and four. They had seven guys on the line of scrimmage, maybe six and a half because the seventh was a little bit off. Right. And at the snap, you don't know if they're bringing four or if they're bringing seven. So they bring four, which is which was confusing right off the bat. Yes, right. And then number 31, the free safety, who was about two yards off the ball, looked like he had free reign to play center field, not 20 yards deep, but five yards deep and just look for digs. And it was a case where defense beats offense, not physically, yeah. but they had a better scheme called. They had a better scheme called. Because he fell right into where the ball was going. No, no doubt about it. I mean, I, I think um, they played areas and – the one thing where everybody gets mixed up, in my opinion, right now, with is is oh blitz. We got to pressure the quarterback. We got to pressure the quarterback. What we're seeing right now with a lot of this blitz is it's doing nothing to quarterbacks. It's nothing. They're too well schooled 
they know how to pick it up or where they're supposed to throw hot or change receivers' routes to screw over what you're going to do in the back end and then hold the ball just long enough to make the plays, it's throughout football right now. It really is. And you're letting the quarterback off the hook more times than not because you're making him not read anything or not have to make a decision. You're making the decision for him Mm -hmm. to where he goes, oh, wait, they're blitzing me. I don't have a lot of time. I like Stefan Diggs one-on-one with everybody. I'm just going to put it in his area. Oh, pass interference. Oh, big gain. So, so you're, it's not doing the benefits that the people want to talk about. But that was kind of the theme all night long. And like you said, was like, whoa, lots of people at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Are they blitzing? Who's blitzing? I don't know. Wait, one guy blitzed, but another guy dropped out. Oh, right. it's still four. They, how many times they they really rushed four, and I four. call this blitz change, yes. and yeah. one of them got home free. Mm-hmm. Was, again, another thing I'll look at to go, Mike Frabel had a beat on the offense and knowing where they were going to protect, right. how they were going to slide the line. Because yeah, it's not just the quarterback's confusion we're talking about. No. The offensive line gets a little confused as well. Yes, I, I think it's that. I mean, even this when I see this type of stuff, this is this – is, yeah, even more than quarterback and O-line. This is you're catching the offensive coordinator, even Brian Dayball, by surprise, too. Right. And they haven't been caught off guard by that. But I think that was really the impressive thing. They never let ten, uh, t- uh, Buffalo, and I mean within Tennessee's defense, have those shots to take any shots down mm-hmm. the field mm-hmm. early in the game. They were going to make them earn it and execute and drive and do that. And Buffalo hasn't had to do that a whole lot because they're a big play football team. Right. You know? you, you've talked a lot about how you don't like the fifth rusher in a blitz. So yeah. You say either bring three or four or bring six or seven, but five gets you nowhere. So I was paying attention to who might have been the fifth. Yeah. I, I think by, is it, it's Byard. Yeah, Byard. Kevin okay. Byard. Byard right. could have been the fifth on that interception. Right. But instead of coming, he, he, he dropped and the middle. pick. Yeah. I also saw sometimes, and tell me if this is seeing it the right way, right. where that fifth rusher at the snap won't come. It's almost like he was spying Just Allen, holding a guy. And then he could decide to come about a second later when the offensive line and the quarterback thought, well, he's not right. coming anyway, don't worry about it. Right. It, it, they're definitely that. This is all New England, Vrabel, Baltimore Ravens, Dean Pease type of stuff where, you know, is he blitzing? Is he covering the tailback? What's he doing? Or he's just standing over the guard so the guard right. has to stay there because he, I don't know what he's doing. Did, and now they blitzed the, another guy off right. the edge. Right. Does that fifth have the option to come or is he told, wait a count? It depends. It depends. Sometimes it's like, hey – if you see the running back block and now you know he's blocked and you were supposed to cover him, then, then go, go and then go green dog type of thing, right? Yeah. But with guys like Josh Allen sometimes, they'll tell them still, don't go. Just kind of read his eyes and as soon as he makes a break outside the pocket or do something, be there to be that guy to where, okay, he's outside the pocket, but he's not going to get out there now and now just set up for a few seconds and find us. Like, he's going to have the pressure on him to go, you better throw and make a decision because we got somebody right. running at you. Right. You're not going to just sit here all day. And that is great coaching, great game planning. And I think uh, that was, you know, the big things that, that, that jumped out to me. Coverage, disguises. We talked about before we went on air. Disguises. Mm-hmm. They are – quarterbacks are so good now. Dummy snap count. Booty five, booty five. Said hot, hot, hot. And then the defense shows their hand. Oh, hey, check – Check Mike 31 over here because they've showed now who they're going to blitz. And then the quarterback gets them in the perfect play. And then the defense is gashed and they wonder why. Well, that's one of the reasons I say stop fucking blitzing so much. But then the other reason is hold your disguises. One thing I noticed constantly, and if you're watching on TV or anything like that right on YouTube right now, you know, one, we talked about they look like it's cover two and they don't 
flinch from cover two right. until set hut, the ball snapped, and all of a sudden then it becomes cover three. Or it becomes man-to-man with a robber in the middle or whatever mm-hmm. else. That is the shit that confuses a quarterback for a split second. Right. Or then the other thing we talked about, like your creative blitzes you're talking about, where it still ends up only being a four-man rush, right. where here's a nickel cover corner. And if you're watching me on YouTube right now, you know, usually the nickel cover corner, he's told, all right, you got the blitz, your blitz in here, right? They can't help it usually. So the quarterback does away. the dummy snap count or even gets towards the end of the snap count, and they're, they're, oh, they're flinching because they can't wait to blitz, can't wait to blitz. And Vrabel has told them, hey, you showing it and just being a split second faster is really ruining it. Don't do that. We want to surprise them so mm. they're not schematically capable of doing it. And they're great at, like, telling their corners and their blitzers, don't even flinch. Just look at your guy. And when the ball snapped, I don't care if you get off the ball, like, a split second later than the guy who's told the whole world he's coming. We want to get there because they're not schematically ready for it. And that's how they got a lot of free runners last night at Josh Allen. I think you're hitting on a point that's allowing the defense to at least think about having a little bit of an advantage over the offense. Exactly. time. Whether you measure by points or yards or quarterback efficiency, it's advantage offense exactly. with the pace, the formations, the amount of guys they get out. But with the deception in the front seven and in the back four and with guys being well coached on not to give away what they're doing until the right. ball is snapped, defense can kind of take a little bit of that back. Bringing me to my next question, yeah. do you think the deception that is shown on the front seven with the quarterback and O-line wondering who's coming, who's not coming, or the deception of the back end where you don't know if they're playing zone or man until after you get it, which one is having more of an effect on an offense? Yeah, I oh, I would probably say a little bit more of the who's coming, who's not, mm-hmm. just because it's a little bit of a – the really awesome defenses can do both, and that's a little bit what they did last night. They did, so yeah. you'll have Josh Allen, he's going, wait, am I picked up? And then he's looking back up to the secondary and like, whoa, it totally changed. They weren't doing this a second ago. So that's what the really good defenses do. But I think if you make me pick one or the other, I think that confusion of – I don't know who's blitzing, who's coming, who's dropping out. Let me peek out of the corner of the eye to make sure we picked up that guy because I'm not sure if he's picked up or not. That's probably always the greatest advantage, mm-hmm. uh, but not by such a greater – I mean, they're both very they're important. Both, better, yeah. both very important. Second interception, let's focus on that yeah. because it looked, watching it live and then watching it back, it looked much worse than the first one where you can say the receiver could have caught it. Yep. It was a really creative scheme that got him. What happened on that second pick? I think the second pick just is more of a little bit of a greedy throw, a little bit just careless, a little careless. And I think he just misread Malcolm Butler duped him. Mm. I think he thought so on the play itself. He's I can't remember who the receiver is. He's throwing to on the left sideline, but he's got a hole shot, right? It's covered two. He's going to throw it in that hole between the corner and the safety. And they have Beasley running a little option route in the slot. And Beasley makes an initial break out, and Butler is looking at it. You know, they're well taught. They know what they're trying to do. He looks at it, and he kind of makes a hop flinch, like he might go for it and try to steal the slot out route or that slot option route. But as he makes that hop, he start, I think he probably realized, he was like, wait, what the fuck am I doing? This is Josh Allen. I better get the fuck back. <laughs> and I think Josh thought it was going to be wide open, seeing the body language of Butler. Yeah. He didn't even throw a like a rifle no, like we usually did because that, that just to me is what told me, oh, he didn't he, – he saw the guy and he, he missaw him or didn't read the body language the right way because he threw almost a safe ball. You know, we're used to seeing howitzers. Shoo! Yeah. And that's usually how he throws that ball. That to me tells me he was fooled there a little bit by Butler and what he did.
And I, just one more point on Josh Allen. And all credit to Tennessee because yeah. they made him play with a little less accuracy yep. and forced him into some careless throws, much more than we've seen so far this year. But Buffalo was 13 out of 17 on third down. And these weren't, these weren't screens. <laughs> these weren't draws or wide-open guys. He was shuffling to his right, shuffling to his left, making really difficult throws. So I know they didn't score the way they wanted. I know they lost. He threw a couple picks. He had some awesome plays throughout. Insane. There's nobody in football that can do some of the things he did last night other than 15 and 12. And I'm not sure if they can even do some of the things he did last night. Hmm. He's insane. And people just got to start getting used to it. Because, yeah, that's about as bad as it's going to get. Which play comes to mind? Because I know how much you think of Mahomes and Rodgers. What, what comes to mind to well, put him into that category? The second touchdown pass, when he just floats and floats and floats and then throws the ball to T.J. Yeldon 40 yards 40, down the field. 40-yard fastball. Fastball. Yeah. They're playing coverage. Everybody's looking at him in his own coverage going. And literally the defender who he throws it by – turns around to look at the running back and sees him. It's like, he's not going to throw that there. Yeah. And, he's still, and then the ball goes in the air, and by the time he's like, oh, my gosh, I'm panicking, he's throwing it here, the ball's there already. Yeah. Or how about the float to the left, throw it across the field to Stephon Diggs on the third down? Right. Or how about the scramble to the left on third down, and the guy is falling out of bounds, and if he throws the ball in the guy's chest that's going to be intercepted, he throws it a foot outside of out of bounds, they get right. the first down. That's insanity that, crap. That, that touchdown to T.J. Yeldon was, was the equivalent. You ever have a baseball game on and someone, there's a runner on third, you know, one out or less. Someone hits one deep into the outfield and you're like, oh, that's, a, that's an easy yeah, sacrifice right. fly. And then the ball comes lasered in and the guy's gunned down at home plate. You yeah. sit up and you're like, whoa, what? How did he get it? It was that kind I of agree. a throw. I agree. That's, that's what he can do. Now, yes, it was a rough night. Buffalo plays them again. They're not going to make those. I, you know, I would like to think they're not going to make some of the mistakes they made. You know, uh, they got caught on an off night. And then I think it'll be a little bit of a teaching thing. First off, Tennessee, all those things we're talking about, what they're doing on defense, running, rushing three, rushing four, you know, four-man line, one drops out, one blitzes. It's all coverage-related. So he's doing this, too, with zero run game. Can everybody – zero, yeah. zero run game. And this is why for people out there who got on me about they need to draft a running back and Zach Moss and I'd maybe even venture into the Le'Veon Bell conversation of on Buffalo because you could see they are not very good at running back. No, ex- exactly. They're and not. I, I think we, we spent a lot of time in the offseason thinking about free agency and draft and how can this team go from good to great. And we saw the little differences last night. The Tennessee's run game, even though it wasn't – great by their standards, yeah. was better than Buffalo's by far. And Tannehill's accuracy was a little better than, than Josh's. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and Little differences. Yeah, little differences. They had balance, you know. Buffalo didn't right. have the luxury of going, wait, we'll play all coverage here. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to get gashed by Henry. They had to play the, we got to stop Henry and compromise ourselves there. Tennessee was basically like, please, fucking run it. Right. Do us a favor. We're, we're, we're all for it because yeah. we don't really think even with three down linemen, you're going to go far with it. Right. So they put a lot on Josh Allen right now. They are getting to me, this is where we're going to start getting into like the conversation we've had about the Chiefs. They came out in the second half, and if you remember the first drive, the drive he throws a second interception, yeah. a lot of short throws, yep. things like that. That's their next move because this is what teams are going to start doing to them. Teams are going to start playing coverage. We don't think you could run it. Okay, that's fine. I don't think they can run it either. Let's screen game up, short pass game up, 
all those speed sweeps. You see to Isaiah McKenzie for the touchdown pass by the end zone and all those things. Do them. There's no you can do that at the 50 yard line. There's like what that, I want to ask Andy Reid and Brian Dable that like there's no rule that you have to do that at the three yard line. You can do it at the 50. Right. You can do it at your own 25. It's very it, if the guy drops his incomplete pass, there's nothing wrong with it. Right. So those things like where we go, these are trick plays. Huh. For these teams who are pass based and want to win with their quarterback's right arm. No, that has to be a na- na- like a mainstay of the offense for when teams play coverage and drop and drop. You got to have a million different ways to go. Fine, we're gonna fuck you up with all this cool stuff we do behind the line of scrimmage, and we'll see if you can rally and tackle us. All right. Yeah. All right. Titans Bills was an awesome game to watch. Great defense, good quarterback play as well. Another game we want to get into: Saints and the Chargers, and different kinds of quarterback play in this one. Let's start with the younger quarterback. In that equation for the Chargers, Justin Herbert. And to nobody's surprise, we take a look here at the offensive rookie of the year odds provided by our partners at PointsBet Sportsbook. Herbert is the favorite right now by some pretty good numbers. Long way to go, but I I think he's worthy of this right here. He has been, in losing efforts, really, really impressive. Very impressive. I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, yeah, usually, you know, it's it's interesting because – you know, usually if a quarterback wins rookie of the year, they got to win some games and do things like that. But they could end up being four and twelve and five and eleven. But it's it just the play, just like we've seen through four weeks. It ain't his fault, right? I mean, it's not him. He's doing special shit. I mean, it's it's almost three hundred yards and three touchdowns every game, and and you know, in a lot of ways, they're not helping him out either. So we'll get into that. But yeah, he is. He can do things other guys in football can't with right. that right arm. Talent doesn't always lead to production and points and really good plays. We've seen a lot of good quarterbacks come in the league. It, t- it takes him quite a while. He yeah. has his moments. But for the most part, he, he's been an A for this team. Aside from just the physical talent, what do you like best about what he's doing for the production side? Well, I mean, just pinpoint accuracy. I mean, how many throws did he make the other night where they put him in a third and long situation because they're overmanaging him, right? Yeah. And you go... Well, oh, wow, you guys did a, him a great favor by putting him in third and 12. Way to manage the game for him. You're talking about like by calling run plays. Run first, first down, down, run second down. That was an issue the whole game, you know, but then he delivers. And then, like, very few mistakes of what he's seeing on the field. Right. You know, he threw one ball, I think, on, like, the first drive of the game where he ran to the left and, like, Tried to throw somebody down the field who was double covered. It was, was third and long. It was third. It was as dicey, it was, and it wasn't that, it wasn't bad, that bad, right? That's yeah. what I mean. That's as dicey as it got all night long. That's true. You know, so that's okay with me, and I think that's the thing I'm impressed with uh, more than anything. How about this stat right here? Yeah, uh, it has to do with the blitz. Yeah, please, let's go there. Okay, when Justin Herbert is not blitzed, mm-hmm. 68. That's that's good. Yeah, six touchdowns, three picks. When he is blitzed, he's over 70. percent Right. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, and his yards per attempt is quite a bit higher as well. This is it's gonna be the eleven point seven versus seven point six. This is the this is my new pet peeve in football right now. Because this is the other thing now too. Oh, he's a rookie. Number one passer rating in the league against the Bulls. Oh, he's a rookie. We gotta blitz him. We gotta blitz him. We gotta see if he can handle the blitz. Cause he's never been blitzed in high school and college football before. Right. So he doesn't know what to do. It's he's the first time in the NFL and he's going, Wait, they're blitzing me? Time out, coach. They didn't blitz in the Pac-12. What? I'm so sick of that. It's like old school 1974 defensive bullshit thinking. Right. Move on from the fucking thoughts. Every time the Saints blitzed in the game, they got torched. Every time they played coverage, 
he had a hard time finding people open. I find that throughout the league right now. And, yeah, I mean, he, like we just talked about it a minute ago, you know, yeah, the, the TD, the first touchdown pass, all-out blitz. Yep. Right. You're, you're making the game easier on him. Yeah. You, there's no because, decision to be yeah. made. Unless they get to you right away. As a quarterback, what are you getting in coverage when they blitz usually? Always man-to-man, man man. right. And if you throw deep, how often do you see the, the, the corner not turn his head? No. So we don't want to make it sound easy, but it is easier. It's a tell. All-out blitz, oh, they're playing man in the back end. Exactly right. You make the decision for the quarterback. He's not reading anything. He's been taught what to do against the blitz. That's an easy one. That was something that was drilled into him like the first few days of training camp where he's like, wait, I can't mess that up. Our coach takes reps away from me. So I got to get that. And then what's he do? He makes the extra guy miss. He knew he had the guy, extra free guy on the edge. He just let him, he duped him. He just come in a little closer. You're going to get me right around the edge. Touchdown. Yeah. So, and he threw that on a full sprint. Too. A full it's not sprint. not like he broke contain and was jogging. No, he's, he's got one of those arms. Yeah. It's, it's an Allen Mahomes type arm. It might not look as cool when he does it and all that. But it still looks cool, the finished product of how it comes out of his hands and, and everything like that. It looks to me like, like watching Carson Palmer in his prime before Carson really got I hurt. I got you. You're right. Really quiet, wide base, lower body. Exactly. And just that compact motion up top. It's very efficient. Yeah, it really efficient. is. That's where it's misleading. It's where I think people mis- were misled in the draft evaluation. It's a little bit like Tom Brady this way. He can throw the ball really, really hard and make it look like it's really effortless and just smooth and almost like beautiful. Yes. And, and because of that, you go, well, that can't be really moving that hard in person. And then you see it in person and you go, holy shit. Yeah. And it's because he's got long arms and huge hands and a big body and he knows how to correlate that top to the bottom like you're saying. Yeah. And he's, he's it awesome. It makes me think about this past winter when we had, his, uh, had the film of what he did at the Combine. Right. And people always want to say, oh, Combine doesn't matter. Anybody can throw. And it's not an exact correlation to success in the NFL. But remember when we watched that, we talked about how easy every throw looked, 10-yard out, 50-yard push 50 out. 50-yard routes he was throwing. That was the lower weird. body, the motion looked the exact same. Right. And just because he did that in February in the winter in shorts, it doesn't mean he's a good quarterback. But it was a terrific indication of that he might have success right. in the NFL because what he can do physically. How easy it is, how effortless it is. Effortless, yes. And there's no a lot of crazy moving parts, which tells you it can be consistent. Right. Because when there's a lot of crazy moving parts, you go, oh, yeah, he did it awesome for four times in a row. But, man, times five, six, and seven, he threw wobblers or ducks or missed the target. Wow. So when you're explaining as a guy that, yes, when we say it's effortless and easy, uh, yes, it is that. But that usually means it's technically sound, too, and they're able to replicate it throw after throw after throw. And that's what the great ones can do. So we, we both liked what he did a lot. Yes, right. First half was much better than the second. Yeah. What changed in the second half from him having a lot of success to limited success? Well, I, you know, again, it was all about big plays, really, for the most part, in the first half of them. They put the one drive together. It was impressive. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, or really two drives together. I'm sorry. That, la- that last one was uh, off the, the interception from Drew Brees where they got that. But I think this is the big thing. You know, first off, we saw, I saw a lot of blitzing and over-aggressive from New Orleans. You know, I even wrote down here, you know, so that all-out blitz, that touchdown happens, you know, and then the next drive, Saints don't blitz at all, and the Chargers can't do anything. I mean, there's, no, there's nothing that can be done there. And I think really what my big thing from this game, you know, hey, yeah, the Chargers stayed in there and all those things. My big takeaway is I really liked what I saw from the Saints' defense. 
I really did. I think they're really close in a lot of ways. Now, I know they let up 15 plays, 71 yards to the Justin Jackson, the running back. You know, that was on the first drive of the game. They let up a big run. After that, there wasn't one hole the rest of the game. Mm. So there was nothing there. And then I found out, yeah, they messed up a few coverages. The long touchdown at the end of the game. They, he threw the big post right down the middle. The guy got tackled at the two-yard line. Mm-hmm. Another, both were Patrick Robinson mental mistakes. That's really all it was. If you take away those plays, man, their D-line dominated. And they were all over the Chargers receivers like glue. Whether it was zone or man, they had a real good beat on it. And the Saints are another one of those teams that I always want to say, stop being so damn aggressive. Your front four is really good. And and did that change in the second half? It did. It changed really as the game went on. They realized it. And I know I'm trying to read through my notes to exactly uh, where it stopped. But it it, 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 – the success rate between when they blitzed and when they didn't, I know this was another game where I just kept looking at it going, you blitz, you get burned. When you play coverage, they have a hard time finding people to get open, especially when your offensive line is not very good and can't Mm -hmm. pass protect that well. And to add to that point, they kept running the ball on first and second down and never giving them a chance to play ahead of the chains or putting the offense in a power position to be in a second and four. Are they going to run it? Is it going to be play action pass or do any of that? And I have a number of notes that sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But I think this works right now. Chargers ran the ball on 18 out of 28 first downs. Only the Raiders and Browns had a higher run percentage. So I'm sure that they're thinking they're helping their quarterback, like you mentioned a little bit ago. But... It's not helping. It's not helping. And they're still losing games. It has to change. It's four weeks in a row where he's given you the lead and then we manage ourselves into a loss. I, I said this in the show this morning. I'm going to say it again. Take the training wheels off. Not Justin Herbert. They're already off him. Right. Coaches, you need to take your own training wheels off. I don't know what you're doing. You're not, you're, first off, their O-line stinks. Mm-hmm. Their running backs are so average so what are we playing through the run? Where are we going to go with this? Do you think Justin Jackson should start? And this is a question from Randy Darsh350. Well, I don't really care between him and Kelly. Neither one is that special. Right. You know, it sucks that they don't have Austin Eckler. Yeah. That's really where it hurts them. The talent of their team is their quarterback and their receivers. All right? And that's where I just want to say this last game especially. And I thought this a little in the Tampa game. Um, but I was like, okay, it's the third start. You're still being careful with them, all that. Uh, but this game, they're just, there was never an inkling other than that first run that the run game was going to get going. Yeah. So you had that first run. But after that, it was like, okay, we've run the ball five times since then, and we can't even get to the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Maybe we should come away from our game plan and start spreading the ball around, start doing those type of things. And to me, they're doing him a disservice. They're doing their own team a disservice. But where's the fine line between – because we just talked about Ryan Tannehill yeah. and how much he benefited from them sticking with the ground game, which sure. is much better than the Chargers. Sure. But Derrick Henry, I think, was 19 for 57, so three yards per attempt. Yeah. So the fact that they stuck with it, even though they weren't having a lot of success, helped them. And I really like how Herbert gets under center and has a great play action. Sure. The half boot, yeah, the full right. boot. So where's the, the balance there between giving more to Herbert but not getting totally away from that? Yeah, well, game? you don't have to get totally away from it, but I think there has to be more of that, like what you're saying. First down, play action pass. First down, play action pass, screen to the running back. First down, let me just get the ball out to the wide receiver on a little wide receiver screen, get us into second and six or seven, whatever it is. Just do some stuff like that to make up for your lack of a running game, which is not going to happen. To me, that's what I would like to see. 
Again, they're a team where their assets, you know, their defense is banged up. On offense, their assets are Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Justin Herbert, Hunter Henry. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean run the ball. That, to me, says throw the ball. So that's where I think they're missing out, and I think that's a big reason why they haven't been able to close out games the last two weeks. Well, it's been really fun to watch them on these big stages against Drew Brees the week before against Tom Brady. Uh, Justin Herbert's been coming through in spite of the fact yeah. they're not winning. Yeah, well, I'm just annoyed. I mean, I, you know, like I wrote, I wrote, it's 20 to 3 lead, two and a half minutes, first and second down runs. I wrote, it's fucking Sean Payton and Drew Brees. They're going to come back, guys. Right. What do you think? You're going to win just doing that and going to win 27 to 3? Come on. No, you got to know who you're playing there. So that bothered me a lot. Uh, I just want them to take the training wheels off. But like I said, I think the big thing is more than anything, and I know it's not going to necessarily look that way when you see the stats and the amount of points, but I do really like the way that I think like Davenport popped a few times. You know, Cam Jordan, of course, looks really good. Uh, Amin Yada, uh, Sheldon Rankins after his Achilles tear last year, he looks like he's starting to come along. Davis at linebacker. Davis at linebacker. I mean, they, they don't. They can dominate without having to put extra people in the box. That's mm-hmm. what my big thing is with them. And they're really creative what they do on the coverage side too, Paul. Like they'll do some of that Tennessee. Like I don't know what coverage this is. They just have a beat on what you're doing in this formation, or they'll double certain receivers on a second and third down. There was a number of you know second downs or third downs when it was obvious pass situations where they were like, okay, you're not throwing to Keenan Allen. This is before he got hurt, or yeah. you're not going to throw to Mike Williams in this play, or we're going to double Hunter Henry here. And I love that type of stuff, and that led to them getting off the field more times than not. So. Um, we'll see where it goes, but I, like I said, keep your eye out. I think they're, I think they're getting it there in, defense, uh, in New Orleans on defense. You mentioned one of the key points in this game, which was a feeling late in the second quarter that, okay, you know that Drew Brees and Sean Payton are going to figure things out. No matter how many points they end up scoring, they're going to be better in the second half than they were in the first. Yep. Uh, Drew Brees' first six drives, he was 7 out of 15 for 43 yards. Drew being less than three yards per attempt. Right. I don't know how many times that's happened in the last – 18, 19 years that he's been playing. I'm sure not very many. Final seven drives, 26 out of 32. That's well over 80%. 282, touchdown, zero interceptions. What changed with what Sean and Drew did and what what the Chargers did on defense? I think think the biggest thing is – I think that Sean Payton tried to go early in the game like, hey, we're going to run the ball. I'm going to try to do that. And the Chargers were kind of selling out on it. You know, Gus Bradley, that's Seattle defense, eight guys at the line of scrimmage. First series, they had a little success running the ball, and I think that maybe led Sean Payton to want to stay with it maybe a hair longer than maybe he should have, which I don't really have a problem with. Um, but, but really what the Chargers started to do, one of the things I, I wrote in my notes is just, you know, after that first drive, they started shooting gaps. Like the linebackers, it's just like, hey, you got this gap, you got this gap. And the linebacker, when they saw their gap open, instead of kind of waiting for Kamara to come or Latavius Mary, they just started running through it too. They created chaos that way. The big turning point is the drive we're talking about. It's 20 to 3, end of the first half. And they got into, wait, let's just spread the field and get the ball out of Drew's hands quickly. And they started getting into all the dink and dunk New Orleans Saints type stuff. And with the Chargers not playing a ton of man-to-man and doing stuff like that, they caught them in their zone coverages. And they just kind of picked apart those little holes. And that's where Breeze and, and Sean Payton are magical when they kind of get that, like, okay, wait, this is how they're offending us. We kind of got a feel now. Mm-hmm. Let's bring out our array of short passing attack. And the Chargers don't have the type of defense to kind of take that away right now. I want to keep you with that Chargers defense. Yeah. I have a question from Sir Lax. 
says, can you deep dive into the Chargers' defense? I feel like Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator, has been putting them in bad positions when the team has a lead. Yeah, I, I don't know if I, I totally agree with, you know, bad positions. No, I still think they're kind of playing, just doing what they do. Now, they've had some guys. Which, like, what is what well, they Well, they're a Seattle three. They're a Seattle cover three team. That is that is what they are at their heart. I mean, Gus Bradley was in Tampa Bay with me, and then he was he went to, ta- he went to Seattle. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the guy that started the scheme that caught fire through football. It's him. He's the one that went up there and sold it to Pete Carroll. So right now, if it's too something, it's, it's too what? It's, uh, you know, it could be too predictable right now, again, especially um, – when you have some guys right now who are replacements and young, and, you know, Melvin Ingram ain't in there right now. You know, they're, they're missing uh, Chris Harris Jr. They're missing Derwin James. So they got guys that are not only, like, mentally making some mistakes, which has happened in, happened in this game, the long touchdown to Jared Cook down the middle, Kenneth Murray, rookie linebacker, right. he kind of messes up what he's, how he's supposed to play the coverage. I think it's him and second-year player Nasir Adderley, the safety, who are supposed to be over there with that guy, but they kind of messed up their rules of what they were supposed to do against that formation and that coverage, and it led to a big play. Right. And that's not necessarily – the play was meant and perfectly called to stop that play. Which, which one are you talking about? The which? Jared Cook, uh, okay. I want to say that, the 41-yard touchdown pass. I want right. to get into that. There you right. go. Third and 14. Right. 41-yard touchdown to Jared Cook. I've got a bunch of notes on this, yeah, too. This is, I want to hear your interpretation. Well, it's, a, it's an interesting play as far as how they played the coverage, but they're basically playing a coverage, what I would call, like, I called it P11 double robber. Right, double robber, double robber, because they had eight guys in coverage. They had a robber to the trip side and a robber and a to the robber, weak side. Uh, the defensive back who lines up deep, who kind of hangs in the middle to pick off an intermediate. And he's route. just he's and basically they had, they had two, right? And Murray, who I believe is one playing the wrong technique at the line of scrimmage, he's playing outside technique on Jared Cook, which allows now Jared Cook to go inside of him and be able to cut across the field. Unimpeded. Like Unimpeded, he, he never touched exactly. straight line. Right. Yeah. You can't let that happen. Right. So he's supposed to be inside leverage, in my understanding of the cover- coverage, and then also stay inside of him as he's running that deep post cross. Didn't even come close to Didn't that. Didn't even come close yeah. to that. And then the safety should be on top. So then Drew Brees drops back, and he's looking at his first read. Wait, oh, Kenneth Murray's underneath it. Let me see if I can throw a lofting pass. Oh, wait, no, the safety's over there, too. Let me find something else. Yeah. Right? They may, they may Messed up the whole play. And that, that safety, number 24. Nasir Adderley, right. As soon as Cook got that free release and was running by himself, yeah. they could have put a Band-Aid on it if 24 would have just run just, with him. But he he like, was frozen looking at something else he, and like, was a non-factor. He got caused by the seam on the other side yeah. or whatever it was. He got, he got infatuated with the three-receiver side a little bit to where, you know, everything – I don't think that was his rules. And, you know, other things that I pieced together, if you watch the game film, Kazir White, the number 44, the linebacker, who was kind of playing that other robber spot, mm-hmm. he was a linebacker that was playing like 15 yards off the ball. The, he turns around as Jared Cook's catching the ball because he's running upfield because he realizes, wait, what, why is this guy wide open? He yells at both of them. And you could see, I mean, Kenneth Murray, after he scores, he puts his head down. Nasir Adderley puts his hands up. Like, they were disgusted with themselves. They know they messed something up. Right. That was that coverage was called to stop that exact play. And that idea of and they rushing let it go. three and dropping eight, like 
But what's the one thing you're not going to let happen when you drop eight? Big pass plays, yes. usually, right. right? Exactly. So, yeah, that was uh, one where I think inexperience and youngness kind of came back to uh, bite them in the ass. All right, Chargers and the, the Saints. Any other final comments no, you want to spend some time I with? I think the, the big thing is, you know, I do realize, I just think more, and more than ever, Michael Thomas's importance to the offense and Drew Brees just because – yeah, Drew can't throw the ball down the field and be effective that way. You just right. want him to be able to do it enough to keep teams honest and get those 15- and 20-yard completions here and there. But Michael Thomas's schematical importance and how he opens up other people, but also just the, you know, for games like we just saw where he's amazing is, you know, catch the ball for six, break an arm tackle of the linebacker, gets 12 yards, you know, catches another one, it's eight yards, you know, catch another four-yard pass, and ends up a 12-yard mm-hmm. gain. It's like those little things. They're always in good positions. It's always moving the chains, always ahead of it. Oh, it's third and six. He gets eight yards to get the first down. That's where they miss him, and then it makes everybody else and the rest of the offense so effective that way. To right now, you know, it's cool. They're having being forced to get Emmanuel Sanders the ball, uh, but it, it, it's it's making Alvin Kamara maybe and some of the things he's doing. I mean, he's still awesome. Yeah. But that's when they're hitting on all cylinders is when it's like, oh, yeah, pick your poison. Yeah. Oh, Thomas, Kamara. Oh, yeah, right. we got Jared Cook over here too. You wanna, oh, you want to do that? You want to <laughs> double both of them and leave him one? Yeah. And that's where I'm amazed by. Right now, what they're doing with Kamara is, I, I think, the cool thing. I mean, and, and that, I just two seconds. So, yeah, because they use them everywhere. They know they have to exhaust him more because Michael Thomas is not there. And really, it's amazing because I think we have a little we, spray we a chart. chart. For those of you who are right. watching on YouTube, there it is. What I'm amazed by always is all the different looks they can give you out of the backfield right out of, like, he's right next to Drew Brees in the shotgun. And he can run basically, like, six or seven different routes that all, at the start of the snap, look like he's going to run the same route. Right. And for those of you who can't see it, just yeah. listening, uh, what I'm looking at is, is, is variety, too, because there are routes between 0 and 10 yards to the left. Yep. There's three of them. Same thing to the right, a couple down the middle, and a deep one down the side. So it's, it's spreading him out as well. It's not just, they're not just peppering no, one little right. spot with him. They could throw screens on the outside to him, a tunnel screen like we saw him drop on that first third down right. of the game, right. right? You know, he can play the slot, but when he gets in the backfield and let's just say Strubee's in the shotgun and Alvin Kamara is off to his right, he takes that little outside release arc and then he comes downhill and they have the option route, all right? So the option route, he's got three options on that. He can break inside. He can sit down in his zone coverage. If the guy's playing a man inside leverage, he can break out. So it becomes a five-yard out, a five-yard in, or a five-yard curl route. Then he has what we would call in the, this, and I know they call it the same way, they call it a Trojan route, where he runs like the old angle route, the old Texas route, right? Mm-hmm. Where it looks like he might run to the flat. we got to get out there and stop him from running the flat route. And then he puts the brakes on and he angles out over the middle. They have that. Then they have that same type of thing, except he wheels up the sideline and goes there. Then they have that same type of thing, and he runs a seam. He just runs straight up the middle of the field. So they give you a lot to defend with him. He is yes. such a weapon that way, and I guess that's just one thing. One last thing I wanted to say. And Sorry. one last thing I want to say in response yeah. to that, it kind of piggybacks on your point about Michael Thomas. Yeah. If Michael Thomas is in there, maybe you have to have the third best man defender on Camara. And right now you can have the second. You can yeah. even put the first on him if you're right. that worried about him. No doubt. And if Thomas is out there, 
That's where they that. really put you in a bind. Yeah, that's right. where Sean Payton's amazing because he he knows how to play games with, oh, you're doing this or you're trying to take away this guy. All right, well, I got something else for you with the other guy, and here we go. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact, with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. It's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie, and fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay. Seattle, Minnesota. Russell Wilson, awesome again. We'll get to him. Let's start, though, with that Minnesota run game without Dalvin Cook. And we think about this Seattle run defense. Should be good against anybody. Yeah. Why did Minnesota get the best of them that way? Oh, well. And I have, uh, I have a question here while you think yeah, about, it, uh, about the Seahawks defense. This is from at SportLover2010. Do you think Seattle should adopt the defense that the Raiders and Pats played against Kansas City, seeing as their pass rush stinks? Maybe having more numbers and coverage could be beneficial for them. I, 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 I do, yes. I'd like that. It's just, it's, so, like, it's just like the same thing we're just talking about with Tennessee and Buffalo, right? Yeah, I do like that generally, but because Seattle's another team that we're going to talk about where I'm going to go, I'm so sick of the five-man blitz that gets the same amount of pressure the four-man blitz does, except we just leave a guy wide open. Right. I mean, they're, they're the, the kings of it right now. Like, we're going to send one more guy. It doesn't really matter. We still don't get to the quarterback. And as a result, Seahawks have given up 2,356 total yards, most by any team through five games. Since the 1950 Colts. It's, it's bad. Now, there, there's a lot of things to talk about, you know, as far as the Seahawks defense. We've hit on it a little bit. You know, am I surprised that Dalvin Cook and company ran the ball the way they did? Yes. Do I think a few times, especially when Cook got out of the game, did they catch the Seahawks going, oh, I don't think they'll give it to Madison or the running game as much. Let's play a little coverage, and it caught them by surprise. Yes, I do. But, you know, the, I, I don't know what else to say, you know, about the Seahawks' defense. They're, it's not going to get much better, you know. What, what could be fixed? Their, their, their personnel is their personnel. Their personnel is, yes. What can be fixed or tweaked? I just would like to see, yeah, I think that less of the always selling out eight guys at the line of scrimmage, you're not going to run the ball on us. I, every now and then, would like to see them be, you know, a little outside the box and do some, yeah, coverage concepts that are not just 
something you constantly put on film week after week after week. They have little things they do here and there, but I, I don't know. They need to be on the, 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 the trade block in a few weeks and try to find if they which, can get a, sh- level? a shutdown corner mm. or a pass rusher. I'll take either one. But I just know one of the things I wrote in my notes is, I mean, the Seahawks can't stop the run. So if the numbers are equal, right, and it's seven on seven, they're mm-hmm. losing. Is that more D-line or linebacker problem? It's, it's probably more D-line right now. It's the D-line, they only got one good one, and it's Jerron Reed. The rest of it? They get they get dominated on a snap by snap basis. Jerron Reed's really the only high high level player they have in their front seven. Bobby Wagner's still good, don't get me wrong, but he's not like the Hall of Fame linebacker we sued three four years right. ago. And I would say the same thing about KJ Wright. So Reed's the only difference maker they have there. Now, you know, I think the other thing too, just on the personnel standpoint, before we move on, you know, the the, the fact that they can't play man, and you've heard me say this, you know, they have corners who start for them, who most teams would go, you can't play corner for us. We'll bring you in to cover Travis Kelsey because you could be that guy. You could be like the Patriots' third safety guy who covers big receivers and covers a big tight end. But like that, that, like that, what they thought they were ahead of the curve of with this defensive scheme and all that, that's 10 years ago now. Mm. That might as well be 100 years ago. Move on. They have to change because – now they're really in the predicament of, like we've talked about, can't stop the run unless they outnumber it, can't rush the passer with four, leaves them to have to play man every now and then. And those guys, they're tall, long corners. They can't change direction. They can't cover anybody man-to-man. And so I don't know. That's why I keep saying it. I don't think it's going to get fixed, really. The Seahawks are the only team in the Super Bowl era to start 5-0 and despite being outgained by an average of 50 total yards game in one way they, they have an identity their defense is good enough to win because they had an MVP at quarterback but I wonder if it can be sustained I know well I you know the the one thing they got going for them and now this is the first game I saw them kind of die some slow deaths with some of these long drives right and everything like that uh, they need Jamal Adams back you know but but the one thing they got going for them in every game just about they create two or three plays and it always gives Russell the little bit of an advantage I mean this game they kicked the shit out of the Seattle Seahawks for the whole first half. It was only 13-0, so they did a good job in two of those three drives holding the field goal. So there you go. You go into halftime, you whoop the shit out of some team, right. and it's only 13-0, and you know Russell Wilson's on the other side. Yeah. Right? So you know you're going to be like, oh, crap, we might have blown our chance to really put them in a stranglehold. So, I, you know, that's the one thing they got for them is because Pete and Ken Norton Jr. are at least aggressive on the defensive side of the ball – that it does create chaos a few plays every game for the other team. And it's benefited the Seahawks with the two turnovers against Miami that helped them. Of course, they scored what did I they wrote they scored a touchdown like three out of five plays because they drove down, scored a touchdown to start the second half. He threw the interception. Or no, he got the fumble the strip sack fumble. Right. And then they got the ball back and he threw the interception and KJ one handed it. So, like, right now, I think that's about as good as it's going to get for that Seattle defense. I don't think it's going to get much much, much better than that. They, they did a, a good job on Justin Jefferson, who has been so good the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Three catches, 23 yards, which allowed Thielen to be a little more himself, nine for 80 and a couple of touchdowns. I, uh, they had a few plays, and this is what I did like from Seattle, where they doubled just Justin Jefferson. Now, they're a team that usually doesn't do that kind of stuff. They're kind of like, we. this is what we do, and this is what... But 
They had a few moments where they were like, wait, it's, they got to throw the ball here. We're not going to let 18 beat us. And, uh, yeah, they gave him some, some issues from that standpoint to where I think you, Justin Jefferson's put enough on film now where everyone goes, hey, Adam Thielen's yeah, good, but, but this guy's better, and we got to watch out for him. And, uh, yeah, that was cool. I mean, again, the Seahawks play hard. They're physical. Um, the, the scheme, like you've heard me say, it's not great, but they get the most out of their talent, which is, which is I think, very average on mm-hmm. that side of the ball. And, you know, they're, they're having to coach it up even to stop the run plays. You know, they're always having to slant the line one way or slant the other way. And they got gashed on a few plays because everybody slanted one way and one guy messed up. And it left a huge gap. And then Minnesota would just gash him for a 10-yard gain right. or a 20-yard gain. But those are the things they have to kind of risk, risky do right now to kind of make, make it yeah. work every now and then. Well, Seattle's got two major headlines going on right now. The, the first one's a fun one to watch, and that's Russell Wilson and just his MVP awesome season he's having. But this other one we've been talking about, can this defense, Yeah. and we brought it up three or four weeks ago, can they go from poor to average as the season goes on? They haven't yet. But we certainly keep an eye if, if they know. can uh, make a couple steps toward that. I mean, As- they're having to play five- and six-man fronts almost every play right now because they just know we can't stop the run. Right. And they're having to do that. So, sorry, I didn't mean to no, cut you off. Okay. And last thing no, on no, that no. side. Yeah, go ahead. Kurt freaking Cousins. Yeah. He played great. Yes, he did. I mean, the throws he makes and is asked to make are so high level, he gets no easy throws. They're not very good at pass protecting. And he still hangs in there and throws. I just wanted to uh, give him a little credit. I appreciate you bringing credit. that up because yeah. I talked about, or we talked about Tannehill's accuracy and Justin Herbert's. Hey, Kirk Cousins made a bunch of really difficult throws routinely throughout that game as well. And doesn't get talked about enough. No, definitely not. He was, uh, he was. He was phenomenal. I know he had the interception. It, you know, KJ Wright's a good player, too. He made a great one-handed interception. So, yeah, it right. happens, right. Okay, as for Russell Wilson, we're going to start out here. Uh, kind of break it down into segments here with him, first half to second half. The first half, which was kind of lesser than what we're used to seeing. A uh, question from at Mehmet-305. What specific defense and scheme did Mike Zimmer implement to slow Russell Wilson down in the first half? And I can attach seven for seven for only 40 yards. Yeah. So seven for seven sounds good, but when you're getting five yards per attempt, that's a major win to the defense every time. Well, and and, you know, when you're not on the field in the first half either, the defense Didn't looks pretty good too. Yeah. You know, that, that's the other issue. You know, 12-play, 77-yard drive for over six minutes to start the game. 17-play, 64-yard drive. Ridiculous. Do you hear that? Yeah. 17 plays for 64 yards. 10-minute 13, 10-minute and 13-second drive. You know, then the next drive is 11 plays for 57 yards. I mean, so that's insane. Now, that was quicker, but... You know, that's the first issue. And then I think the, the other thing is, you know, Minnesota played coverage. Just like we've heard, it's the theme of the day. Yeah. Here we go. They weren't stupid. They didn't play man-to-man. They're a little bit more usually of a single safety defense, whether it's zone or man. They kind of play single safety a lot. Mike Zimmer, I think he finally said, well, well listen, I like to outnumber the run and do all that stuff too, mm-hmm. but I just can't trust my guys on right. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and he played a lot of quarters, quarter, quarter, half, things like that, to where he tried to keep them in front of them. And then Seattle on a few drives made some mistakes and got behind the chains, and it just it really was as easy as that in the first half. I wasn't sitting there going, whoa, they're dominating them. Right. They were just playing smart. They were making Seattle execute. I think they played a few different coverages in some situations that Seattle was expecting, and they didn't let Russell run around and go crazy. And... 
yeah, Seattle had a few a few penalties throughout the first half that you know put them in some third and fifteens and whatever else, and they just couldn't overcome it. So I think that would be the breakdown of that. So playing coverage worked for them uh, in addition to the offense hanging on to the ball and scoring with those long drives. But I asked this, and I also want to kind of have us all remember that we talked about Drew Brees struggling in the first half and the second half, really finding a way. This is it. What did Russell Wilson do to go from Strugglesville, as you would say, right. quarters one and two, yeah. to really getting it going more as the game got longer? Yeah, you know, I think the, the big thing is, first off, the defense created some short fields for them. That helps. You know, that's, that's the big thing. They got, they got two touchdown drives, two plays, 15-yard drive, one play, 29-yard run. That was soon. That so, works. you know, we'll look back at the end of the day and go, oh, he had three touchdown passes. Whoa, he really came on fire there and got them back in the game. But, no, I mean, you know, that's just the reality of the situation. It makes the great pass to Metcalf on that, that, that first touchdown pass uh, or his second touchdown pass, first DK one, um, which was a great throw, like to the left side, kind of like a skinny post or whatever it was. But I, I can't sit here and say that I saw – some magical thing or a different plan of attack from them. Vikings played pretty good on the defensive side of the ball. They didn't give the normal amount of opportunities that maybe other teams do to give Russell to take those one-on-one shots down the field. They played very conservative on the back end. Should they have done more to, to contain Metcalf? Well, I think they did. I mean, again, Metcalf had three receptions for 60 yards all on the last drive of the game. Right. And would you ask me, like, I just can't believe Mike Zimmer went down like that. I think that's where I'm surprised. Not that they had to do it all game, but on the last drive of the game, the one thing I think if I'm Minnesota, I'm going to go, Russell and DK are not going to beat me. Maybe Mm -hmm. it'll be Russell and somebody else. But I've seen this fucking guy every week do this to a team. What made you think the results are going to be different? So let's bring up a couple of major what-the-fuck-happened here for the theme today. Fourth and ten on the final drive. Fourth and ten on the final drive is just two ballers making a play. All right? Those two being Wilson and Metcalf. And again, it's one of the few – all right, so and before we even hit this, I just want to make this clarifying comment. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a ton of one-on-one opportunities. I also think, though, anytime there is one-on-one – Russell Wilson needs to be more aware of DK Metcalf and just take a chance. Who cares? It is because you're getting to the point here where he's not going to get one-on-one very many times every game. Leads the NFL 22 and a half yards per reception. Oh, he had a double move one time early in the game. Russell ended up getting sacked, I think, on the first drive. He went out and up. Russell should have just thrown it. You know, when Russell was getting ready to throw it, they were even. And I want to just go, ooh, another few weeks he's going to realize, you know, he's even, he's leaving. Right. It's going to just throw it out there. He's going to get it. I thought there was a few left on the table that way. But here they are. Yes. You know, what was it? Fourth and ten? Fourth and ten. You know what they did? Who's they? The Minnesota fucking stupid purple team. <laughs> they blitzed five. So there the we go. number, first Here of all. we go. Blitzing yep. five. Why? I don't know. We're going to leave one-on-one with Dantzler, a rookie, mid-round pick against what I'm going to say is now the best receiver in football. Whoa. Yeah. Number I, one. I, I'm, I'm, I can't deny it. I mean, just what I see. It's mm-hmm. just what I see. I mean, how stupid am I that I didn't have my top ten receiver list? What an idiot I am. I thought you did. Nope. I chickened out. Okay. Um, I chickened out. But some of the young guys who I was like, oh, they're going into year two. Let me just make sure they have another good year or solidify them. Like him, DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin. I wimped out on all. I bet I had DK Matt at ten, right? Did I have Metcalf at ten? Pete. 
I had him off. No. Right. So I think I'm I had off. him 11. I think he was the Coming guy. Coming out of the draft, though, just to go positive. My number one receiver. Number one. Just, I did. Yep. Okay. Yep. But uh, all right. So back to the point here. Mm-hmm. Sorry to, you know, you get me talking. and Sorry. <laughs> They're playing man-to-man. They blitz five. It's one-on-one. You got a rookie corner out there in Dancer, 27, right. who's long. He runs a slant and go. So he gives just a little slant nod. Corner does a great job. Doesn't bite on it. He's just fourth and ten. I'm not biting on a slant. Great job. But he plays so far off that Russell and DK recognize it. Like, he's like, wait, I know I am supposed to run the go part here, but I, we're going to have to throw it 87 yards by the time I get going past this guy. He's so deep. So DK was really smart and almost kind of gearing it down a little bit. And Russell noticing, wait, he's not going to catch that guy. Let me just kind of throw a jump ball and kind of behind the DB, and I'm just going to let my super freak go up and get it. And what did he do? He was a super freak and went up and got it. So that's all there was to that on that play. That's all it was. It was just, our guy's better than yours. You blitzed me. He's Mm -hmm. one-on-one. Good thing you blitzed me. Man, I would rather have that guy out there doubling him. Right. But, okay. That's an indication. We talk so often about Wilson having excellent touch and accuracy on the deep ball, where sometimes it's just a feel of where to put it. It's not hitting a guy in stride. Exactly. It's, a, it's that instinct of this is the kind of ball that he's going to catch. It's not the perfect one. It's right. just put it up there and let him get I'm it. I'm going to put it in the spot where we're going to get it. Right. And it, really, it's like you to me. If I was DK and I was running and you were the DB, like with your, you know, you're kind of turning. I mean, that's where it was. Like we're going that way. Russell's over there. You were kind of there. That's mm-hmm. where Dancer was with, you know, his hips open like he's running yeah. downfield. And Russell sees it. And he goes, all right, I'm just going to kind of throw one up and let DK go up and get it. And. I mean, DK, it wasn't even – I bet you Russell, when he left his hand, he was probably like, oh, I might have thrown it too high. it was too much, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And he jumped 12 feet in the air, and I swear he paused at the top of the jump and was like, wait, I don't want to come down yet. Stay there for a second. And then he caught it and came yeah. down. Remember two or three Sundays ago when he was warming up and that we had those great shots oh, of Sunday Night Football, yeah. him going up in the end zone and getting it. You're like, oh, that's a cool highlight, but, you know, let's see if it plays out that way in a game. And then at a key moment – that actually came through. Yes. Next one on that drive. Yeah, that's so right. So what happened on the fourth and goal in the game winner? Well, it, it's just a simple crossing route, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull it up so even you can uh, watch it with me here just so we can talk about it together. But, um, you know, first off, they had gone outside, right? They threw an out route to DK Metcalf. He dropped it. They threw an out, mount, out route to um, Lockett that – Russell Wilson threw a little hard and outside to where he got two hands on it, but it would have been a tough catch. Then they threw a fade route to DK Metcalf in the back right corner of the end zone. So they had attacked outside, outside. Hey, we're just going to go one-on-one. Our guy's better than you. And they got into a formation where, um, let me just get to it here. Here it is, where it's like a, a snug formation, as you could see, right? Snug meaning. You know, snug meaning like the two receivers to Russell Wilson's left are Lockett and DK Metcalf, and they're about – I would say Metcalf is, what, five yards from the left tackle, Dwayne Maybe. Brown? It's, it's pretty Maybe tight. Four, almost right? like they're extended tight ends. They're almost ends. extended tight ends, right. Yeah. It's, a, it's a snug. And then, you know, Lockett's in between the tackle and Metcalf as, like, that slot receiver. And he's, what, a yard and a half from the tackle, maybe two yards. So they did that, which a lot of the times, too, now if you're a defense, you're worried about, ooh, this could expand out, you know. They could end up running one guy in the flat and one guy on the, the corner yep. route to the corner. What are we going to do there? I don't know, but we'll let it play out. And really, all they did 
was put DK on the cross. They ran double. They, they protected with the tight end, kept him in, kept the back in to block. And they ran, I want to say, I'm not sure, that's Swain up top and a crossing route over the middle with DK Metcalf. Now, the middle of the field's open. You know, the Vikings are playing man-to-man, and the linebackers, for whatever reason, really came up aggressive. This is one thing I don't understand about the defensive call. Like, there's no play-action pass here. What, what are they going up to just to stop Russell from running? And their aggressiveness there left. You said middle of the field open. That's what allowed for it to be open. Uh, that's where I – exactly. That's where I, I just want to go. I don't understand that. So we're going to avoid the middle of the field basically to let them throw a crossing route where now it's man-to-man. we got two crossers. And Anthony Harris, who's trying to help out on the crosser because he knows 27 dancers in a tough spot here because he could get picked. And Anthony Harris is the safety who is free he's because free. Right. the Seahawks only got four out. They only got four so out. So he's, he's able to just play center he's field. He's just playing center field. And he realizes the pick plays in front of him, and he knows that his guy's in trouble. He, he makes a great break on the ball. It's just the ball itself was perfect. Right. I mean, it was a perfect throw. And – you know, again, they ran a little bit of that green dog aspect where 50 acted like he was blitz. He got the right tackle to come off the right defensive end and thinking he's going to blitz to tackle him. It left 95, I believe that's Weatherly, unblocked. Or no, that might have been, uh, Od- oh, I can't say his last name, 95 in the Vikings. Pete, you're going to have to help me with that we'll one. Just stay with 95. Yeah, but 95. But look at this. This is the other thing that I think is brilliant of this. The guy that's a free runner, 95, Russell Wilson makes him pause just a little bit with like a little head and shoulder fake to where he stopped running for a second to give himself an extra time to throw him. Watch, you'll see it a little and he more. he was rushing free. Totally free. But no see how he did him. that right there? Yep. Yep. And he paused because he was like, wait, is he going to try to throw this around me or set me up and make a move? Or is he going to run? Hey, right. I'm not gonna, is he going to run? Right. But because they sent that linebacker up into the middle of the scrimmage, you know, again, it's just, it is the theme of the week for me. Like, why? Right. Why? What, served why no purpose. You, it served, did nothing. He wasn't going to affect Wilson, and he left that space open behind him, which is right, which was a space that was vacated. Well, that was where he was. Yeah. He left. It's just, I see too much of that in football right now. It's driving me crazy. But, you know, ultimately, it just comes down to Seattle once again. They just never give up. They always make big plays when they need to. And no matter how badly they're outplayed or whatever it is, they just continue to kind of compete and find a way. And uh, that's, that's why they're amazing. And big-time credit to Breeze and, and Wilson for having frustrating days leading up to that. But everybody knows it from the guys on the other side of the field. It's all of us watching that they always have a chance, which you is a cliche it. thing to say, Yeah, but they actually have it with those two guys. I agree. They really do. They're, if you're not up by more than 20 points, well, first off, this, this year right now, I mean, as we're seeing, 17-point leads are not it safe. Doesn't mean that There's much, no yeah. crowd noise. Quarterbacks are as calm as ever, right? There's no anxiety in mm-hmm. the stadium. You don't, if you're the home team and you're down by 17, you don't hear, boo, you right. suck, you suck, which then causes the coach to, like, call plays that probably he wouldn't call if it was a calmer situation, but now he's feeling the angst of the fans and all that. Or, you know, if you're, you know, the team on the road and you're up by 17, or no, no, what am I saying? If you're, if you're a home team up by 17 or whatever, the other thing, too, is just there's no crowd noise. Defensive lines can't get off in these big moments anymore where, 
okay, our defense, we're up by 17. Our crowd, we're at home. They're loud as hell now because we're up 17. D-line's going to get to pin the ears back and get mm-hmm. off the line of scrimmage. They have that, that advantage gone without any fans. And just uh, thinking of no fans, yeah. just at home too. We've all had little moments where you, where you really recognize it. I thought that was the biggest example yet of all the games of watching where I really missed the fans because think about what that would have felt like in Seattle. Oh, that would have come through your television yeah. set with that drive at the end. And as impressive and awesome as it was, it definitely wasn't quite what it would have been had you had that reaction. And I I mean, I've been aware of it watching all the games, but I thought it was just very obvious and something missing there. It, it stinks. It stinks for those moments. You're yeah. right. Because it's uh, you want to watch the 12s yeah. in that stadium. Right. I mean, the screen shakes sometimes. They yell so loud. Right. You know, we missed that that game, mm-hmm. the Patriots game at the one-yard line. That would have been another yeah. one where you're just like, oh, man, Seattle, that, that place would have been a, fell to the ground. It would have gone so crazy. One more game before we get to quarterback Jeopardy, yeah. which is there are going to be a couple that get you. I don't want you to feel badly. Oh, good. You're just telling me. We'll see just about that. I don't know. I'm not me- just going to fold. Mentally the- ready. I'm not going to fall. Ready. I'm not going to fold the tent just because you said that. All right. I'm I'm going to keep battling. I'm just, I'm I'm just gonna see if I can get into your head a little bit here. Oh, Pete Carroll coaches me in my brain. It doesn't. We don't, we just compete. We just keep going. All right. Last game. Steelers yeah. beat the Eagles 38-29. We have to start with Chase Claypool. Yeah. Question here from Jay Harp three five ninety seven Claypool. Uh, how did he take advantage of the Eagles' defense so easily? Is it scheme-related, or is he just that much of a freak that no one could cover him? He is that much of a freak, and no one could cover him. That, that's the bottom line. The scheme for Pittsburgh right now does not impress me. I don't sit there and go, oh, wow. Now, where they were good is, yeah, they're aggressive. And at times, uh, I mean, Philadelphia almost plays man-to-man coverage every play now. It's like ever since they got burned by Sean McVay and some of the things he was doing on the offensive side of the ball, Schwartz is just like, I'm going to keep it simple. It's been going on for the last couple of years. It, 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 it definitely has, and that's all they're doing. Now, they're better at playing man-to-man uh, and all of that, but yeah, the offense itself, I don't sit there and go, oh, wow, they're doing a lot of great things. Now, that last touchdown catch he yeah, had up yeah. the middle, yep. that was all Big Ben and Claypool. That was a total Big Ben realized what coverage they were in, and he told everybody what to do because he knew he had found the flaw in the matrix. And he was, oh, wait, if I do these little – which he basically took advantage of quarters coverage. The guys on the outside ran hitches. The slot guys ran corner routes to keep the attentions of the safeties in quarters, which now puts the middle linebacker in the middle of the field one-on-one with Chase Claypool. And he acted like he was going to kind of run over the middle and catch one right. and then ran up the field. And yes. the safeties who were looking at those corner routes had widened a little bit, and they could not recover by the time they realized they were being tacked up the middle. And I want you to keep going on that yeah. play, which was his fourth and final touchdown. But right. they kind of had him by formation. It was trips, three wide receivers to the left of Roethlisberger. And all three receivers kind of spaced out yeah. um, all the way to the sideline. Right. Claypool almost lined up like where the tight end does. Yep. And the far receiver was Smith-Schuster, which they were most concerned with. So from there, now that we kind of have a picture in our head of that formation, walk us through what happened. Yeah, right. And you're right. It's Claypool out to the right. They got, uh, I think, James Washington in the slot over there. And, um, oh, wait, hold on. I'm, I'm a playoff. It was, it was, I'm a playoff. Sorry. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, you're right. But it's still, to the right side here, you got, let me make sure I got this right. All right, he's got Claypool to the left of the the inside of the three. Schuster in the slot, 14 all the way out on the left. On the right side, he's got, I believe it's Washington at the slot, and then the tight end Ebron outside. And 
like I said, this is a play where we call these jerk routes. But it's basically, yeah, those two slot guys, Juju and Washington, ran those seven routes, corner routes, to make sure the safeties you catch their attention. Oh, no, he's running at me. and Oh, he's kind of breaking out. I got to kind of shadow that way as he goes. And by the time they realize it, they've been exposed up the middle. We called it a jerk route because you were going to make the Mike linebacker look like a jerk. Right. He couldn't be right. It was a three-way go. You know, it was really a four-way go. You could stop in place. You could kind of stop and then cross his face. Or you could act like you're going to run a shallow cross and stop and come back up the other way. And if you got this coverage, you are alerted to you can take it up the middle of the field. And Big Ben knew right away with his formation and everything, the way they lined up, he was getting this coverage. And that was all him that made this play happen. I'm sure Big Ben couldn't get that ball snapped quickly enough. When you realize that you have a receiver manned up on a linebacker, I mean, like, yes, please. Can I pay you oh, to do this more often? No doubt. My, my question is, yeah. is there ever a situation for a defensive back and the safety who, who could have helped out the linebacker covering Chase Claypool yeah. spent all of his extra attention looking at Smith-Schuster? Is it on him at the snap to be like, okay, I know that Juju is their number one receiver, but I also know that Chase Claypool is going to kill this linebacker. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to him first before I worry about Smith-Schuster. You know, no, because he's probably hasn't even had to really think about this type of route yet in this coverage. Now, this will be something from going on they're going to be alerted to, and the safeties probably will make a call of, like, making sure they don't spread too wide or because something like that. Because he spread too wide. Both of them do. They get, they're so worried about that slot receiver, or you're, like you're saying, Smith-Schuster on this side, to where – yeah, it just leaves too big of a hole on the middle of the field. Now, they're running this coverage not thinking that I bet you there's not a lot of like film that shows they send a guy up the middle of the field on these type of routes to where they were playing the percentages thinking, you know, most of the time they run a shallow cross or something short with that guy, and our middle linebacker, 47 Jerry, he'll be okay there. But obviously they found a, a flaw within the scheme itself and that play, and yeah, they're going to have to either check out of that coverage next time they're in it in that type of formation or be alerted to having to have it changed up a little bit with how they defend it. And right. that could be maybe telling the quarters corners to, hey, you got to just make sure you drop back. Don't take the cheese on anything short. That seven route's going to come to you, that corner route. And we got a linebacker out there who's going to run to the flat to get that short route anyways. They have to play it off better as a whole unit there to defend it in that coverage, at least. Thinking about uh, change in defense against yeah. the Steelers. And, Pete, uh, let me know if you come up with who the Steelers are playing next, but how are teams going to have to play them differently now, defensively, because of what they saw? So it's the Browns. Yeah, they got okay, the Browns, so right. What does Cleveland do differently? What's changed with their thought process now, what they can do against yeah. that Steelers offense now that everybody is seeing what Claypool can yeah, do? Yeah, well, Cleveland, Cleveland is not a – and they're not a big man-to-man team either. They're, we're going back to the Seattle scheme in Cleveland. That's what a they are. A lot of teams doing that. I know. It's Joe Woods. He came from San Francisco. He at one time was in Tampa with me and go. Gus Bradley <laughs> and all of them and went with Shanahan to San Francisco. Now he's here in Cleveland. Now they have a front four that's real in Cleveland. So that will be a big-time issue. And they don't give you a lot of throws in the middle of the field. So that'll be two. So this will be a totally different game plan altogether. Let me just say this. I'm not necessarily impressed with Pittsburgh's offense. Pittsburgh's offense is still a work in progress. What do you think of Roethlisberger? I mean, he's playing well. 
But I don't look – to me, their biggest – I just don't know – I'm really not sure what they are on offense yet. I think they're kind of a work in progress. They can't run the ball at all, mm-hmm. really. They can't – they don't ever get underneath the center anymore. It's always shotgun every play. It's a lot um, of quick catch and release from Ben Tim. It is a lot. That's exactly right. So, I, I, again, I just don't know – I don't know always what's trying to be done. He's a great thrower – and Did, if are you seeing signs of age or that surgery? I at can't all? say. I can't say I am at all. I mean, I feel like you know the deep balls and everything Still like that pretty are pretty good. damn good, yeah. right? There's enough pace on every throw. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not anything with him physically. I just think that they're very one-dimensional. They really are, and I think that right now they kind of realize they can't run the ball, and they're just going, "Hey, let's spread it out and let him make the decision and go from there." But it's why they've had a hard time putting teams away too. Because they can't run out the clock. They almost have to throw it. Right. And it's letting teams, when you have a 31-14 lead or the lead they had against the Giants or the Broncos, kind of slowly creep back into the game because they're not running the ball or putting a team away with that one extra score to kind of end the game. Other quarterback, other offense, Carson Wentz. Let's start with this question from Vibe Higher One. Was this Carson's best game of the season? It was pretty damn good. It was. I mean, there was a lot of good in it. I know. I mean, there's a lot of unbelievable throws. This offense is all – it is all him. It's all him. Superman cape. Let's see what she can do. Right. And it's him and uh, Fulgham now. I mean, that's (laughs) it. I mean, they're the only two guys on there. You know, but, you know, again, you know, I know Miles Sanders had the 74-yard run. Okay, but he had 10 rushes for six yards after that. Right. So, I don't look at that as going, oh, that's a good running day. Yeah, you hit them with a draw play on an all-out blitz on third and ten. What the fuck are we doing, Pittsburgh, once again? Here we're back to it again. Here we go again. All right? I'm so sick of over-blitzing. Right? Bothers me. Thinking about the Steelers' defense, yeah. pause for a moment. This is from at reed shoe Is the Steelers' secondary struggling? Are we not running the scheme or communicating well? Or an overreaction by fans? No, I, I think um, some unnecessary blitzing. They blitz an NFL high 50% of the time. Yeah, it's too much. They don't need to. What's the point of paying all these great pass rushers if you're doing that? What's the point of having four great pass rushers if you're bringing in a fifth all the time? I don't, I, that makes no sense to me. I understand the thought process. See, they're trying to bring five because they want to get all, like five one-on-one matchups. Mm-hmm. But if it's, if it's not just steamrolling those five one or one of those five one-on-one matchups, again, it goes back to everything we've talked about in the podcast so far. Okay, yeah, you brought five. It didn't really get there any quicker. Now there's this huge hole right. in your zone defense, and you're screwed. Or you're playing man-to-man, and you're not that good at man-to-man. They picked on Joe Hayden this game. Yeah, they did. Big time. I mean, whenever there was man-to-man, they went, we're throwing the 23. Why? Because they don't think he can run, which is definitely a legit question. of Whether he has – it's always been a question, but especially at this part of his career. He's an amazing zone player. He's a great tackler. He's got great instincts. But when it comes to pure man-to-man cover skills, he struggles a little bit. And they're asking him to do that a lot. I, I mentioned that they blitz mm-hmm. an NFL high 50% of the time. But just to give an idea, some perspective there, the NFL average is only 29%. So it's not like they're doing it a little more than average than most teams. They're doing it a hell of a lot more. They're, I, I, and, and with Dupree and Watt and Tuitt and Hayward, they just don't need to. And they're really creative with some of their zone coverages and things they do. More times than not, it's working for them. It, it, it is. It is. There's no doubt. Well, they're winning, but I don't think they're maximizing on how good their defense is right now. 
you know, the fact that you let Jeff Driscoll and everybody have the ball at the 10-yard line to win the game, or Daniel Jones and that shitty offense was moving down to come back and do it, or, you know, even the Eagles the being as close as it was for a while, got the 31-29. Right. You know, that to me, yeah, they're winning the games, but they're not maximizing. So if, if you could make one alteration to get them closer to maximizing their talent, what would it be? That, that, that would be it. Would just be stop. Go into the three and four man rush. Do some of the things we talked about with Tennessee. Yeah. You know, hey, this guy blitzed, this guy dropped out. It's still a four man rush. Do all of that. They're, they're, that's to me their greatest gift is this is what has made them, you know, awesome in some years is because it's like you're talking about again. You've already brought this up. I don't know what they're doing here. Who's coming? And then they're great at disguising and doing crazy coverages behind it. So you used to get a double whammy. And uh, it just, again, it just seemed like the week of needlessly blitzing across the NFL. We're going to blitz. I don't know why, just because we practice it, and I feel like i got to call it. Right. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe yeah. teams will pay attention to the ones that are having the most success or going with the uh, confusion and the indecision and the combination man in zone coverage. Yeah, I, I, th- I think so. I think it's the way to go right now. I, I do. You know, I don't think you're doing yourself any justice by blitzing and being a man-to-man all the time unless you have just, hey, the Baltimore Ravens, I get it. They got two all pros at corner. Right. You know, even the, the Patriots, I can understand them doing it, but they don't ever do that. They don't. They're more of like, play man, and then we'll have a bunch of other guys play zone around it, or we play all man, or we double guys and all that. So uh, Steelers defense, to me, is just the big issue there. Um, We talked about Joe Hayden. Mm -hmm. You know, I do think – I don't know why the Steelers played so much man-to-man in this game. I know why they played so much man-to-man in this game because they probably felt like there's no way that these receivers could beat us, this group. And because they played so – you know, they flirted with danger a little bit. In, in my opinion, because of that, to where I would have liked to just see. They got caught, I think, with this. Sorry, I know I'm rumbling, but I think they thought, okay, we can match them up man-to-man. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing they were probably a little worried about with their zones, Philadelphia, we've talked about this a lot, has 9 million ways to throw the ball six yards. Yeah. And I think they were a little worried that, like, oh, they, they're good at that aspect. This is the only thing they're good at, actually. Them jamming a ball into Ertz. Them jamming a ball into this guy. Blah, 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 blah. That's, I think they were afraid of dying a slow death that way to where we have, we're playing all these zones and it's great, but he's getting the ball out of his cans quick and they're sitting in the right holes to where we can't stop it. That would be at least what I would think. Travis Fulgham, is he that good or just a one-game average? He's pretty damn good. No, he's pretty good, damn good. I've seen more than, you know, the last two games have been pretty damn good to where I go, no, I think they got something here. You know, you don't want him to be your number one, I don't think. No, you don't. But he would be a great number two or that awesome slot guy. He can kind of do it all. I think he's certainly solidified himself as a part of this offense uh, as we go forward. Now, let me just see if I messed out anything else. I don't, you know, the all-out thing. Again, oh, they let up another touchdown on the all-out blitz, too. I just want to make sure we get that, you know. Uh, the third TD of the game that gave them 22 points, the eight-yard eight pass to Greg Ward. Another all-out blitz. Don't understand it. Don't get it. They were having great success playing coverage. Um, and I guess uh, that's it. I yep. think you're just stalling for the inevitable. No, I'm not. The quarterback jeopardy. 
Oh, yeah. but, all right. But no, it was just all that. I just want to make sure I don't miss anything, and I'm trying to like make sure I hit it all. You know me. I write all these damn notes. <laughs> but here's just to sum it up. I just wrote, what's the point of having the great pass rushers if you don't rush four? And then, you know, uh, I wrote, Wentz, damn, this is like my synopsis at the end. I wrote, say what you want. Wentz made some unreal throws. And then I just wrote, okay, so at what point do you just say, okay, Wentz is hot. Let's stop playing man-to-man and go back to our zones, okay? Especially when they have backup offensive linemen playing. Why are we letting them off the hook, too, by letting our quarterback throw the ball all the time? Make them protect for a little time. Make Wentz read something. Like, this is why, like, the Rams play zone defense because they go, we want the quarterback to read something real quick because Aaron Donald will be there by the time he reads it, you know? And that's how – I think Pittsburgh needs to take that. Then – I wrote, I hate blitzing in the red zone. They gave up the TDs. And then 31-29, games in the clutch. Here we go. Biggest drive of the fucking game. You know what Pittsburgh does? They don't blitz once. What do they do? Stop them. They got to punt the ball. They go down and score Maybe game Maybe it was over. all part of the grand scheme. I don't know, but I'm just so sick of it. You could see it bothering me this week. It, it would be fun if the Steelers-Browns was a kind of game, really good one this weekend that we're going to talk about next week. And we can get into if they changed it up at all. If they blitzed a lot against Baker, I'll be looking. Don't you worry. I will be watching to see right. what they do. Yeah, but it does bother me. Like I, they're not maximizing what they are as a defense right now. They are without a doubt one of the best defenses in football. They're letting up too many points in yards. Could be even better. And just over my evaluation, that would be the issue to me. Right. I'm ready to note here to revisit next week if Great. we can. Way to okay. go. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Here it is. Quarterback Jeopardy. Let's do it. In the interest of full disclosure, I, I rolled these out and sent them to Pete. Yeah. And Pete kind of doctored them up a bit. He thought they were a little too hard. Oh, he thought they were too hard. He rearranged a little, threw in a couple hints for you. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, Pete, he's probably, Pete, you want to add anything? No, he said uh, he had to dumb it down. Got to dumb it down. Is that a blonde joke? Is that what he's trying to do there? He's trying to be a jerk there? <laughs> Better a blonde joke than a gray joke out here on this set. Okay, QB Jeopardy, because we both enjoyed... Tuesday night football so much. We're yeah. emphasizing the Tuesday. All the questions and answers are going to roll into number two in some way. Oh, okay. I like okay. it. That was ready? my old number, too. There you go. <clears throat> I should have thought of that as well. Excuse me. Okay, so for 100, thinking about that number, dose. Dose. What quarterback drafted second overall leads the NFL in interceptions? He was the second quarterback draft. It's amazing how the easiest like things sometimes you're like, wait, who is picked number I, two? I had an easier one for, no, for don't, 100. Don't, okay, just don't, so you know. don't tell me. And I'm not cheating, all right? Just so you know. I'm just looking at teams. I trust you. You know how I do it. I do trust you. So Hold what on. quarterback who was drafted second overall in his class? Oh, second overall in his class. There's, there's the two, yeah. Second overall in his, class. in his class. Oh, my gosh. I know I'm totally missing this right now this is a really obvious one and i'm going to throw on this hint there is there's a real segue here from what we were talking about to this very fun part of the show what see you're confusing me now (laughs) leads the league in picks second quarterback that's what's really getting me here he was the second quarterback taken in his class recently Segway. Deshaun Watson? No, not Deshaun Watson. From, uh, I mean, we were, this, this, this flows well from what we were just talking about. <laughs> like the last game we were just talking about? <laughs> we were just talking about, oh, Carson Wentz. Yes. Duh. Pete, Pete, 
Good job. No, I don't get it. And he says no. I don't deserve it. Pete said no. Holy crap. I couldn't – I don't know why he didn't register in my brain as the second quarterback draft, drafted. He was the second pick in the draft, too. Second pick in the draft. Damn it. Yeah. That is – that's, that's a, all right. That's, no, that's really not all right. <laughs> that is not all right. I knew he had he, – you know, I thought he was leading the league in interceptions, too. Who's leading the league? He is. Oh, he's leading it. Okay. Lead, leads the league in picks, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's okay. There's four left. Shit. We got four, we got four left. All right, for 200, this quarterback is 32, only threw two incompletions Sunday, and is now a popular topic of conversation throughout the NFL. Wow. 32, team number two in his career, only two incompletions on Sunday, and now he's like, he's a major part of NFL headlines as we look to the weekend. <laughs> You're, I, I hate you. <laughs> I really do. Uh, yeah, I had this for a hundred originally. I, 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 it's, it's amazing. I'm sure you know what makes Pete's me. Like, I told you this was hard. I know it gets me. It's, read it one more time. Say okay. it one more time. This quarterback is 32. Yeah. So let's before we move on to anything else, like 32. Yeah. 32 okay, so years about old. That that kind of vintage. Yeah. He's on his second team in his NFL career, and now he's like a major part of what's going on. He's a giant part of what what happened this past weekend. He's tied into it. And now people are very, um, there's a lot of anticipation to see how he'll do this weekend. And that's new for him this season. Holy shit. 32 on his second team. Second team. And this is the first week where, like, his name is really even thought of. I can't even, I I, got to look at just, I'm pulling up the games from last week. Just going like, what am I missing here? 32 years old. Second team starting. This is his first season with his second team. I mean, and he, he was he was in the background big time the, the previous four weeks. And he only threw two incompletions. Only, only two incompletions. Oh, Alex Smith. No, that's a good that's a good guess. Yes, but it's not him. It's not, it's not him. It, damn no. it, Andy Dalton. Holy crap! I didn't it didn't register in my brain. <laughs> didn't register. Uh oh. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Dallas game right here, and I'm going, wait, not Dak Prescott. You're even okay. looking at the Cowboys. I was. I was sitting there going, okay. right here, I'm going, hey, it's not Dak Prescott, all right? No one's going to remember the first two questions if you hit three, four, and five. I, I don't, you, you may, know? listen, I'm having fun either way. Think about what Drew Brees did in the first half. This You're weekend, right. You can won. bounce back. Okay, here we go. 300. Two teams have had two starting quarterbacks win a game this season. Two teams Name have it. had two starting quarterbacks win games this season. Yes. Okay. I should be able to get this. Okay. I would like to think so, at least. All right. So, um, mm. nope, it's not the Chargers. I was almost going to blurt that out. That doesn't make sense. Right. Two uh, teams. Yeah. Two starting quarterbacks. Two starting quarterbacks. So, they've both been big stories for different reasons. One team started two because of injury. Yeah, so the 49ers. There you go. There's one. Right. The Jimmy G and Nick Mullins. And the other one just flat out benched a guy and put the other one in. Oh, and that's the Bears. There you are. Yeah. Now we're rolling. There, there we there go. There it is. It's a little struggle. Pete, Pete's excited. Woo! Pete's back there wiping his Off brow. Off the schneid is right. Okay. For 400. Yeah. This quarterback was the second quarterback taken in his class, but wasn't drafted until round two and is currently on his second team in the NFL. (laughs) He also has his team on a two-game win streak. Woo! Okay, 
I thought this one should be 500. Yeah. I thought this was the hardest one on the list. It's all right. Read it. I just got to hear it again. I just got to hear it again. Okay, here we go. So this quarterback. Second quarterback taken. Second quarterback taken in his class. But of a second round. But wasn't taken until the second round. Right. He is currently on his second NFL team. And his team has won two games in a row. Okay. Pete Pete has serious doubt. Pete, I told you this was a 500 question. Wow. This is, you're going to have to give me a second here. Okay. Oh, I think we can go with a hint. I think I, I think I, I got go it. With Wait, I got it. Should, should I run through the criteria one more uh, time? One more time. I want to hear it. I okay. think I got it though. Quarterback was the second quarterback taken in his class. Right. Didn't go till round two. Right. He's on his second NFL team. Yeah. His team right now has won two games in a row, and we have talked about him in this show. Drew Brees. Pete, he came through. That was. Thank you. That was hard. That, that, that was a hard one. That was hard. I thought about not having it at all. No, that's good, though. That was a good hard. Don't be afraid of those. Okay. That's a good right. hard. I like that. So in, the, in his class, Michael Vick went first. Right. And then Breeze didn't. He was a second. There was a run of like four drafts in a row, just nerding out on this yeah, last night. right. Where like the second quarterback didn't go for a while. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, he was a second quarterback taken. Yeah. I know. It's, it's crazy to think. That. I didn't realize. He, I knew he had been taken. In the, I think it was the first pick of the second round, right? I think. It was, yeah. Right? Something very early. Pete, was it the first pick of the second? I, I think it was. I but, know it was really early. But he, first pick of the second round. Yeah. There you are. Michael Vick. We know, Pete. He listened to Paul. He already said that. <laughs> <laughs> Pete's got like nine kids at home. He's nine like, he's kids. Got he's got nine jobs here at NBC too. So I don't know how he does it. Okay, for five hundred. Yeah. And like this is gravy because he got three and four hundred. Right. I thought this five. I had this like at, at two hundred. Pete. Pete. Pete thought it should be at five. Okay. So I like your guys' fights more than anything here. <laughs> five hundred points. I'm thinking of a quarterback who played professional football for over two decades. Throughout his career, he wore the numbers twenty-two, twenty, and two including the college years there, too. Right. It's Doug Flutie. Who is he? There he is. Yeah. That's way too easy for 500 points, Pete. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I mean, nice job. You got three in a row. Quarterbacks that wore 22? I, I There's only been, like, zero of them in life, I mean. I know. I mean, so. I actually had, like, that yeah. and some kind of Matt Ryan, because he wears two. He for wears 100. two, too. Right. I, I didn't know which one was easier. Yeah. Pete put it at five. Yeah. We need a staff wow. meeting, Pete. Eh, well, I, don't, I can't remember. Did I get those first two wrong? I can only remember the last three I got saying? right. I drew breezed it. <laughs> you did. And yes. Russell Wilson did. Yeah. Yes. You, you won in the end. That's, That's all what that I did. Yep. I job. like it. Don't be worried about being too hard. That's okay. I don't give a shit. I don't have an ego. I might mess it's, it up. Whatever. It, it, it's nice when it, it's a mix. So the layup and the, and the fade away. You have three. me stressing today on some of those, though. I mean, I'm not bit. that smart. Like I said, I'm from Jersey. I'm I can't blonde, believe you didn't get that first football. one. It's a bad combination. Especially with that segue hint. <laughs> the Steelers-Eagles. <laughs> oh, my Eagles gosh. Right into it. Yeah. Holy crap. I couldn't think of it. It's all right. All right. That's it. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, that man. That was fun. Oh, always fun. Always fun. That's it for our What the Fuck Happened Wednesday. Uh, Thursday, the PFTPM Chris Sims Unbuttoned uh, Game Picks Collaboration Podcast. That will also be on Peacock at, uh, at PFTPM at 5 o'clock on a Thursday. It's everywhere. We'll be back for that. And uh, you, back in the fold, you staying on What the Fuck Happened Wednesdays for the I'm most in. part? I, I'm in as long as you guys will have me. Pete, oh, Pete what'd you say? He's on a Monday. So I'm in Monday next week. Yeah. Okay. Am I Hope doing Wednesday too, or just Monday? Mondays, okay. Just Monday. All right. Pete and I have to meet. All right. You guys meet it up. Yeah. All right. Get All ready. Right. Everybody, be good out there. We'll be back. Keep sending your questions through Twitter. Anything? Seriously, want to get into more specifics? Would love to. Break stuff down. Whatever you want. Uh, I'm always game. 
But stay safe out there. Check out the Picks Pod. We're doing okay, me and Florio. Got, you might make some money if you listen to our best bets. Who's doing uh, better? He's beating me in the best bets. I'm beating him in everything else. That's fair. Okay, good. All right, good. I just want to make sure. Yeah. All right, peace out. Good to see you. See ya. See ya. Peace. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.